I've never, I've frankly, I've never applied for a job in my life. I haven't had a resume in my entire career. And it's because I've always defaulted to building things, to sharing very openly and transparently online. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. So excited for this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with David Spinks. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design a life that you want to do. This episode with David is focused on community, building communities, community as a career development strategy, community as a opportunity for solopreneurs and freelancers to have a bigger impact, have more security. David launched his first online community at 14 years old and has been a prominent leader in the community-driven business movement and has trained and advised community teams at companies like Google, Facebook, Udemy, Waze, and Airbnb. He is the co-founder of CMX, where over 20,000 community professionals gather to learn and support each other and is the host of CMX Summit, the largest conference in the community industry. In 2019, CMX was acquired by Bevy, where David now serves as the VP of community, helping companies launch and scale event-driven community programs. David is the author of a new book called The Business of Belonging uh, that is out March 23rd, 2021, very, very, very soon. We talk about the book, how the book came to be, and all things community for you to build and grow your portfolio career. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with David. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, uh, March, exciting month, huh? March is an exciting month every year, but this year especially. A- anything in particular coming up uh, this month for you? I think you're teasing something here. Let's see, what could it be? Yeah, my, I have a book coming out March 23rd. Uh, it's called The Business of Belonging, all about helping businesses understand the power of community and how to build community. Mm-hmm. A- and, uh, you know, you've been building communities for you know, long time. And we can talk about that for a while, but the book process, I'm curious to hear a little bit about, you know, what, what's, how long you've been working on the book. I think personal projects kind of have sometimes have their own life or their own, but we'd just love to hear a little bit of context about the book. Yeah. It's funny. I just wrote up a Twitter thread. I'm planning to post about kind of like the inside baseball of, of the publishing world and my experience in it. Um, because it's, it's, a very opaque industry, and there's a lot of weird dynamics in it that you only learn by going through it. Um, for me, I mean, I, I've kind of been writing this book for five years. Like, I think I started writing drafts of it five years ago, but didn't really take it seriously. It was kind of just like, I have a book in me, let me start writing it, which turns out is a terrible way to write a book because without deadlines and uh, specific intention around launching it, you can just edit endlessly, and I would end up just kind of scrapping a draft with like 70 pages in it just because I lost track of it and I would start anew. But it was um, January of 2020 that I had decided, all right, I really want to take this seriously and publish a book. 
I started pitching agents. I started p- pitching publishers. They all said no. Um, and then I ended up kind of getting lucky in that I worked on an article with first round capital for the first round review. And, uh, that did really well. And it was all about virtual events. It was very timely, uh, with COVID and an editor from Wiley read that article and emailed me and was like, Hey, would you be interested in turning this into a book? And I was like, I have a whole book proposal ready to go. It's a different topic slightly. It's not just virtual events, it's community broadly, but here's what I think. And they were like, okay, cool. Let's take it to the editorial board. And um, that editor ended up working with me on the pitch to bring to the editorial board. And, and they were like, cool, we're in. And, and then I ended up hiring an agent after I already had it already had a deal. Um, turns out an agent's really helpful to have through the whole process, not just for getting a book deal and uh, been off to the races and started, we actually signed a deal about eight to nine months ago. And yeah, it's publishing in March, which is a very accelerated timeline for a book. Like usually it takes about 18 months from the time you sign a book deal to it actually getting published. Mm. Um, well, excited to also check out the Twitter thread. Uh, but that's fascinating about how, you know, you've been working on it and then this other article then, you know, then kicked things off and, and really uh, took things to the next level. Uh, I have this idea around like, you know, you just kind of never know where uh, an email or a post or anything like that will go. And this just seems like a, you know, an example of an article turned into so much more. Yeah. I, I, I've kind of developed this philosophy on everything good that happens to you is luck, but you have to keep putting yourself in the position to get lucky. So you can write a hundred articles and 99 of them can do nothing, but one of them, the right person reads it and it hits someone the right way that can unlock this thing. That's like, you know, looks like just complete luck. And in many ways it was, but maybe people didn't see that I've been writing articles and, doing this work for, you know, 13 years now um, to put myself in a position where an editor would find that article. And when I pitch them the proposal, they're like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Has there been other examples that uh, made you think of this philosophy? I mean, it's been my whole career, you know, it's like, I actually got my very first job uh, because of my blog. Uh, I was still in college. I was writing about social media and the future of business and a tech company that was about to go through an accelerator program needed an intern for the summer that would do everything that wasn't actually building the tool. So like community, PR, marketing, everything. And so I joined, they, they emailed me and they were like, Hey, would you want to be our intern for the summer? Um, and they found me because they read the blog. So I didn't have to interview. I didn't apply anywhere. All my friends were like applying for accounting jobs and finance jobs and, you know, kind of the traditional path. And this company just emailed me offering me my first, you know, paid internship and it turned out. So I worked on that company. It was called Scribnia and um, halfway through that accelerator program, we decided to scrap that project and pivot. And we built SeatGeek, which today is one of the largest sports and concert tickets marketplaces in the world. I helped build like the very, very, very first version of that only for a couple months. And then, um, I ended up moving over the, the first product we built, the person we sold it to, I ended up going over there and running that company, but it's just like literally a blog post that I wrote, wrote from my college dorm room. 
was found by a company that asked me to be an intern and I ended up, you know, getting equity in that company and, and like having this amazing intro to the world of tech and business, um, and got to work at the very first days of one of the you know largest tech companies in the world today, just by, you know, writing those blog posts. And so, yeah, I think everything in my career has just come from putting myself out there, sharing what I'm learning and thinking openly and, and opportunities come out of that. That's amazing. Um, and is that, uh, have you seen that also happen for other people too? Is that like, if, is there any other type of, I don't want to say strategy, but any other type of like positioning or any other types of, you said thinking out loud and sharing what you're learning, any, anything else to that around sharing ideas online and, and kind of creating opportunities or serendipity through it? Um, I mean, it's just, you, you, you just have to keep putting yourself out there. Um, like one way of thinking about it is, is this is how I've always thought about entrepreneurship. I've always thought about entrepreneurship in a very long-term way. Um, because if I thought about it short-term, it's a terrible idea. For my entire career, for the most part, um, I've only had an actual job a couple of times, both with like very early stage companies. Um, but the way I always thought about it is if I just go the standard career path, move up the ladder, there's nothing that sets me apart from everyone else who went down that career path and, and just moved up the ladder. And so when that person's interviewing, interviewing for a job, they have, you know, countless other people that have a very similar resume, very similar experience to them. And it's really hard to stand out and you're always going to be kind of reliant on those jobs being offered to you and, and fighting to maintain that job and be valuable to the company and all that entrepreneurship. I made a lot less money, you know, 13 years than I would have if I did go down that standard career path. Um, but being an entrepreneur, it, it sets you, I always knew it kind of sets you apart. It puts you in a completely different bucket and it makes people perceive you and the work you do differently. And, and it creates a whole wealth of opportunities because I've never, I've frankly, I've never applied for a job in my life. I haven't had a resume in my entire career. And it's because I've always defaulted to building things, to sharing very openly and transparently online. And that's all combined to create, you know, whatever you want to call it, a personal brand or persona or identity of like people are familiar with me, with the work I do. And I, I can solve much more kind of unique, specific problems than, you know, if I just went down that specific career path. So I would say, I guess, like build things and share everything you're learning candidly and openly, especially the things that feel most uncomfortable to share, because there's a very good chance that there's a lot of other people out there who also are experiencing that and feel uncomfortable sharing it and seeing you share it will actually make them feel a lot more connected to you and make that content more valuable. And do you think some of those ideas around sharing things that feel uncomfortable or that are unique, uh, there's parallels between that and call it creating community? Oh, a hundred percent, right? Like why do, why do people seek out communities? It's because there's some part of their identity that they don't feel like they can fully express. And then when they find that space, that's like, we are built for you. This is a safe space specifically for people with your set of challenges or your goals, or your identity. 
you're the norm in this group. It, it just opens them up in a, in a way that's incredibly impactful for their life because they, they spent their life feeling like an outcast or feeling like they don't belong. And then you create this micro world where not only do they belong, but they are the default. Um, and so it's an extremely powerful way to build community. It's actually the only way to build true community. And then even within communities, I find that the most valuable conversations are started when you're able to identify something that everybody's thinking, but nobody's saying. It's something that's on everyone's mind, a challenge that they're all kind of experiencing or witnessing, but for whatever reason, either they don't want to look like they don't know what they're doing, or they're embarrassed about it, or they're afraid that someone in power might see it. There, there's a lot of reasons for people to feel uncomfortable sharing something they're experiencing. If you can tap into that and create a space to have that conversation, people are drawn to it and and will feel once again, like seen, right? They feel like, oh, you get me. And this is a conversation that's really important to me. And I haven't had a space to have it yet. Is, is money usually a, a topic that kind of, I don't want to say creates community, but it's usually a topic. How much are people getting paid and stuff is usually a, a topic that I think people pr- appreciate conversations around because it's oh, generally- totally. Yeah, because there's absolutely no transparency around it in in the corporate world. So yeah, it's another good framing is if you identify anything that's lacking transparency and then you create a space to transparently share that information, people will be very drawn to that. People naturally seek out and gravitate towards transparency, Hmm. right? It's, It's trust at the end of the day. And if someone's very honest and open and transparent, you feel like they don't, they're not hiding anything. They're being real with you. And, and there's a lot of trust that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. And, and so clearly you've been a pioneer, a leader, a community builder of community builders of the community industry for somebody that's maybe, um, you know, we talked about the kind of the entrepreneurship being the long game, but how do you think about, let's say somebody's working a nine to five, like is, is creating a community, another type of, you know, good for your career, like just a long-term game that kind of has limited downside compared to some other types of projects or things that you could work on? Yeah. I mean, the downside, I wouldn't call it a downside, but the thing you have to think about is that it takes time and investment. So I wouldn't build a community just to achieve something. I'll build a community that you genuinely need and wish existed that's how you're going to be able to build a great one that you feel organically invested in, in leading and creating. And that's, what's going to make you show up every day and facilitate that conversation. But if you could find that it's, it's a hugely beneficial thing for you to do for your network and for your career. I I've been using community as a tool to grow my career throughout my whole career. So actually one of the first communities I started was in the very early days of Twitter Uh, there were Twitter chats were very popular back then. So everyone would use the same hashtag. They'd come together for an hour at the same time every week and have conversations. So I started this, the, I think we were the second ever Twitter chat called U30 pro because I was a young professional and I just like was figuring out what do I do in my career? Like, how do I do this whole work thing? You know, all the questions that come up when you first graduate college and you don't know exactly what to do with your career and what to focus on. I had a lot of questions about that and I didn't find a space 
that was great for asking those questions. So we started U30 Pro. Um, I co-founded that with a lady named Lauren Fernandez and, and a guy named Scott Hale. And we would host a chat on Twitter every week called U30 Pro. We ended up launching a website and just like built other things around it. But it was like, all right, I need a community. I don't see it. I'm going to build it. And that created, you know, a ton of connections and introductions. And, and, and then I built, I co-founded the community manager.com with Jen PD and Brett Petersell um, before I started CMX. And that was just another way of, again, like I'm working in community management. I don't have anyone to talk to. Let's, let's all start like talking about this and writing about it. And we created a Facebook group and built community there. And so th- there's um, an effect that being a community leader has on how people perceive you. You can have zero experience today in an industry, but if you go and you invite right 10 people to dinner, like let's say you want to get into sales and you go and you uh, identify the top 10 VPs of sales and you email them each individually. Maybe you start with three and get them on board and say, hey, I'm organizing a dinner uh, specifically for a really good group of VPs of sales. Uh, would love to have you there. Can you come get three of them to commit? And then you go to the other seven and say, hey, I'm host- hosting a dinner. Uh, these three people are coming. Would love to have you there as well. And now you organize a dinner with 10 of the top VPs of sales in the world. How are people, how are those VPs of sales going to perceive you? They're going to regard you very highly, right? Because now you're uh, someone who's a curator. It immediately puts you in a position of leadership. Um, and like some might say authority, because you're, you're kind of the one shaping the space and designing it and shaping this discussion. So you literally went from like zero to knowing the 10 top VPs of sales in the industry in this really deep, compelling way, because you sat down and had a real conversation with them over dinner. And you can expand that to a thousand person Facebook group or Slack or whatever you want. But if you are the organizer, it puts you in a position of power and radically increases your network. And it also sounds like what, what I'm hearing a little bit is around the skills. It's, it's, uh, you don't need a, you know, four-year degree, uh, you don't need, you know, super technical skills. Uh, it's mostly around, you know, raising your hand and taking a chance. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things about community. It's community has been around for as long as humanity, 100% of humans have experienced being in communities. We all know what community is. And so that's one of the things I love about communities. Literally anyone can do it. And it, it can be very simple. doesn't mean it's easy. It takes a lot of hard work and intention. And that's why I think you need an authentic motivation to do it. It's not necessarily easy, but it is simple. And, and one way to learn is to, uh, you know, join other communities or other groups that, uh, you think are doing a great job of, you know, having intimate conversations and could be. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to learn how to facilitate a great discussion then go to great discussions that are facilitated really well. Um, that said, if you want to start a community, it may not be that helpful to go to an established mature community because you're only seeing it in its established mature form. You're not seeing it in the very early days, which probably looked very simple, very small, very focused. Um, so the best way to learn, frankly, is just to do it. Uh, just start bringing people together. Literally, you can today send out 10 emails, organize a Zoom chat with 10 people that you really respect on a conversation that you think would be really valuable to them. And even if it's like a complete failure, which I don't even know what that would look like, I guess no one shows up. 
you would still learn a whole lot through that process. And then you can do it again, but more realistically, some of them or all of them will show up. You'll have a really good conversation. You'll get some feedback and understand how to do it better next time. And then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And all of a sudden you have a really thriving community going. And one of the, uh, what I, what I heard you talk about there is around a topic, uh, or a, you know, a certain type of conversation. And I've heard you talk about and write about, about the benefits of kind of owning a topic. Um, and I think that there's, uh, it sounds like there's implications on a personal level for somebody's career. Uh, so in your case, community, uh, but also for call it a company's community as well. Can you maybe speak to that a little bit more, David? Yeah. So humans form routines in their brain. They form habits and they want to get to an answer to a question they have in the most efficient way possible. You want to be the first place that people think of when they have a question related to the topic that you're trying to build a network in or a product in, or, you know, that you just want to be building community. in. yeah, if you're, if you're targeting salespeople, if you build a really strong community, you can become that first place that pops into their head when they're like, what tool should I use for managing all my sales relationships? Um, where should I go? Where could I go to find an answer to that? Oh yeah, I should go to that community. Like sales hacker is a really great example. You know, they built a community for people who are um, in sales, who are trying to figure out more innovative solutions and use uh, newer tools to drive the sales process and make it more efficient. So for thousands and thousands of salespeople, when they have a sales question, the first place that pops into their head is sales hacker, right? For inbound marketing, it's HubSpot. For customer success, it's Gainsight. Um, and so those are companies that were able to build community that really solved a problem and created such a strong sense of identity around this persona or this, this kind of broader identity that they became the go-to place for people who have those kinds of questions. And, and that creates obviously a ton of opportunity and loyalty and retention and networking opportunities. And you've seen that related to community for you? Community. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's funny. I didn't actually want to uh, always really lean into community in the same way. Like I wish I could say like I was 100% in on this since day one. I always really loved building community and doing the work, but from an identity perspective in the early days of my career, I wanted to, you know, be an entrepreneur and a startup founder and wanted to kind of lean my personal brand in that direction and community, especially in those days, were was still perceived as not even really a part of business. It wasn't an industry. It wasn't a role. It wasn't regarded as something that's super valuable. And so, um, but but I couldn't help it. Like it's it's so natural for me to just do it and to share what I'm learning. So I kept doing that anyway. And and people would keep calling me the community guy. And they're like, oh, talk to David Spinks. He's a community guy. And every time someone have a question, they'd be like, oh, you should go talk to David Spinks about that. He, he's a community guy. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not the community guy. Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like building this other company, but yeah, sure. I'm happy to like talk about community. And that would happen over and over and over again. And, and frankly, it wasn't really until I started CMX um, that I kind of switched that mentality and like leaned into it. And I was like, I wonder actually if leaning into community is my path to being, you know, a great entrepreneur and founder. 
And I, I think that turned out to, to be true. And it felt like I was finally swimming, you know, uh, downstream, upstream, which one's easier downstream. Um, because I was kind of going with the flow of what I really enjoyed doing and talking about anyway, and how people were already kind of, I already had that kind of habit loop for people of they have, they, they hear community or they have a question about community and they think of me because they know I've been publishing a lot of resources and content on it. And so once I leaned into that, a lot of things started, just felt like it was flowing a lot easier. Yeah. That's uh, also really amazing about the, like the stories that we tell ourselves can either limit us or, uh, or propel us forward. And um, yeah. And, and so for a little bit of context for people, CMX, then you sold it to uh, Bevy. And then, you know, then one of the things I've also been really impressed with your work is around, you know, just seemed like just being very public, very open, you know, creating the Academy, uh, you know, podcast book, et cetera, and stuff. So um, yeah, just, I just loved how, kind of like the startup of David Spinks is just a little bit of everywhere and just creating, sharing, learning, building. Uh, it's really inspiring. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been cool now, you know, so we, we were acquired by Bevy. And so, you know, frankly, CMX was an awesome community that we built out. It is an awesome community that we built and uh, we've, I think had a huge amount of impact on the industry and the business world. That said, it was like, also a difficult business to build. We were a bootstrapped small company. And, and then, you know, when I met Derek Anderson, who's the founder of Startup Grind and, and Bevy, um, he, he and I just had a ton of alignment on our vision. He built Startup Grind from the ground up. And so he understood how to build a community-centric business and then built Bevy. So Bevy's like a, a tool that helps you launch all of your local chapters and kind of have this uh, distributed community model. So you can empower members of your community to self-organize events. You can run all of your virtual events and conferences all on one platform. And we were aligned on this like community is the future of business. And so Bevy, we're building like the tools to do that. And now CMX is building the kind of education and trying to codify what it means for business to build community. And, it, and, and so we decided to team up and it's pretty, it's another great example where like, you know, I didn't make much money at all from running CMX. If anything, you know, I, I spent more money than I made over the years. Um, I made enough to kind of get by, but I knew that what we were building was extremely valuable. And I really believed in this being the direction that business would go. And that has now turned into, you know, a much bigger opportunity now that we've partnered up and our whole business is growing really fast now. And we're working now it's cool to like get to work on the product side of this larger challenge. And, and so it's, I guess, just kind of like this next phase of the career that, that is still all rooted and just continuing to focus on building community, sharing what we're learning and, and seeing what lucky opportunities comes from just continuing to put us out there. I love it. Um, all right. So, and so the book is coming out in March yes. and uh, I love how you talk about how community is good for business and it's good for humanity. Mm -hmm. um, any, any thoughts to um, the kind of solopreneur, the freelancer that's out there, um, any ideas from the book that you think, um, you know, would really resonate for them or that are particularly unique and especially with the, you know, been talking to a bunch of different uh, community builders with the podcast and stuff like that. Anything 
that kind of jumps out. I know that obviously it's a whole book, but. Yeah. I mean, so the book goes through the entire journey of shaping a community strategy. So, um, you know, kicks off with just helping you understand what it means for a business to build community and, and what the different business outcomes are that community can drive. And then it goes into the practical frameworks that we use for helping you understand how to build community. What does that process look like? And then all the way into the, in the weeds tactical, like how do you actually get people talking to each other and facilitate interesting discussions and build a diverse and inclusive community. And so, um, you know, you'll get a ton from the book on just wrapping your head around. Again, I think community can be very simple, not easy, but simple. And I hope that this book will make it feel very simple to you. So you'll feel like if you want to build a community, this gives you this step-by-step process and the very practical things that you can start doing right away to start organizing a community, whether it's, again, it could be very small when you're starting out, uh, very intimate, very focused, Um, But I think we're seeing this whole wave of creators and solopreneurs and entrepreneurs today that are very community driven, very community focused and building community around everything they're doing or even monetizing through community, right? If you're an independent worker or solopreneur, I think Naval always said, uh, Naval Ravikant would say, uh, renting your time is the least scalable way to grow your wealth. And community is actually a really powerful way to scale your services, who you are, your knowledge, what you do, because now you're distributing the ability for people to create value for each other. Like Lenny Rachitsky is a really good example of this with his newsletter for entrepreneurs and, and product people, and he built a community around it. So now he has this entire ecosystem going and people pay for access to that community, but now it's scaled up you know, way beyond what he could just continue to do himself. Now he can focus on, he writes a newsletter, he runs a community, but now it's created this kind of flywheel of value for everyone who he engages with. And and he owns the topic. And he owns the topic. Cool. And and so it sounds like that's one of the the benefits for solopreneurs to creators to, to invest into community is this value creation for everybody involved as opposed to creating content, freelancing kind of one-off basis and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the, the number one challenge that solopreneurs have is limited bandwidth. They're only one person that's trying to do it all. And the beauty of community, the ultimate value of it is its scalability because it's a federated model. It's distributing control and autonomy to other people to create on top of this platform that you've, you've started and when you can do that well, you can scale indefinitely. Um, you know, uh, uh, another really good example would be, so this isn't a solo entrepreneur, but just to point out kind of the scalability of community, Duolingo, um, which is a language learning app, they launched a community program. They had three people running this program. And what they did was allow members of uh, the community to self-organize events so people can practice languages with each other locally. And that team of three people, they were running 2,600 events a month. Wow. Because once you have a repeatable model and, and, a, and like a playbook that you can hand to someone and say, all right, this is how to you know, co-create on this community and maintain our values and continue to spread this experience, go run with it. Now it's yours, build on top of it, co-create it. You can do that to an infinite scale 
ultimately, like there are going to be bottlenecks and things you have to optimize, but really the, the sky's the limit because you're distributing that opportunity to other people to create with you. So now as a solo entrepreneur, you're no longer solo. You actually have an entire ecosystem around you. Amazing. Clearly, I can talk about this uh, for a long time with you, David, but um, would love to hear uh, where people can follow up, where people can learn more, uh, where people can buy the book, um, et cetera, David. Thank you so much. Totally. Yeah. So cmxhub.com, you can go there. We have a ton of free content and research and events and our community spaces. So please come join us, ask questions. All of you are definitely welcome in the community. Uh, Bevy.com is our product. So if you're running events, virtual conferences, in-person events, once we're able to do that again, or you want to run one of these chapter-based programs, uh, come check out Bevy.com. We'd be happy to show you around. And the book, you can just go to cmxhub.com slash book, uh, or you can find it on Amazon or anywhere that you can buy books and you can pre-order it. It's coming out on March 23rd. And I'm at David Spinks on Twitter. That's probably the best place to ping me and just stay in the loop because I, I post on there a lot. And generously and thoughtfully and amazingly. So thank you for all that you do, David. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.